Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Damian Lee, all goes into a three. It's up. It's good. Damian Lee hit it. It's time for Warriors This Week. Curry off the series of drag screens. Top of the key. Three. Are you kidding me? On 95.7, the game. And we welcome you in. Good Saturday morning. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason as I come to you from Denver, Colorado. Warriors and the Nuggets in between Game 3 and Game 4. Whitey, my man, good to be with you as always. And uh, just right out of the shoot, I don't think the Warriors could have asked for a better beginning to the NBA playoffs, not only their own performances in winning the first three games of this series, but looking at some of the trouble that other teams around the league that that would be in contention with the Warriors are going through, pretty good first week uh, all all in all for the Dubs. Absolutely, J.D. I I don't think the Warriors could have asked for a better first-round opponent given all the moving parts they had and everything they had to get situated and figure out. I know we talked a lot about that before the series started. Utah would have been a good matchup. This has proven to be such a great matchup because the Warriors, of course, are trying to get you know Steph healthy. Yes, he's healthy. Check that box. Draymond, is he good to go? He's elevated his game. Check that box. Clay, can he keep it going? Check that box. And then you also had... Uh, going to Denver, and again, you know, coming to us from Denver, a lot of people wondered fairly, all right, well, Poole's playing out of his mind. Wiggins finished the year strongly. Can these guys play well on the road in the playoffs? Check and check. I know Wiggins didn't have a great game in Game 3. Uh, he struggled. It looked like maybe he wasn't even going to be in the closing lineup with the Iguodala in there ahead of him at one point, but he made the shot of the game played well defensively, he's rebounding out of his mind. So, yeah, just across the board for the Warriors, everything going smoothly. As you point out, a number of other teams, including Phoenix, having all these issues. So the Warriors going for the sweep tomorrow. Uh, They probably are going to have a much more physical opponent in the next round. We'll see. I know Memphis still has, uh, you know, some work to do uh, against Minnesota Timberwolves. But I wanted to ask you, J.D., because um, I know you had suggested, you had heard that, wow, the Warriors fans are going to take over the building. I was just reading the Denver Post this morning, and in Denver they're saying, no, that didn't really happen. On TV it was hard to tell. I know there were a lot of Warrior fans there. To what extent did Warrior fans take over uh, the building for Game 3? Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't one third. And and you know, there were a couple of people on the on the Nuggets side of things that, that said they were they were fearful and that they had heard that it could be close to, to one third and that there were some metrics that as far as percentage of tickets being sold on the aftermarket resold and also some of the zip code research as to who was buying the tickets that, that kinda led 
them down the path to be fearful of that. It it there was a good contingent of Warrior fans on on Thursday night. They did not take the place over. They were very loud and boisterous when the Warriors uh, made plays. But the the Nuggets crowd actually showed out. I I thought in in a and it was probably I don't know seventy five twenty five eighty twenty something like that. It was definitely not a third or or sixty forty or or anything like that. Uh, and and I think some of the fears from the people that I had talked to were were a little bit overblown. I, I am curious to see tomorrow how that shakes out as far as. The weekend, and now with the series all but over, nobody in NBA history ever coming back from a 3 nothing deficit to win a series. And, and look, the Nuggets, I think, realize they gave it their best shot on Thursday night. The Warriors still won the game, and now it's, it's probably time to, to head into the offseason and, and try and recalibrate for next year. So I, I wonder if Warriors fans may be coming for the weekend and coming to see their team win a playoff series for the first time in, in nearly three years, may and, and the Nuggets fan willingness to, to sell tickets tomorrow may lead to a higher percentage of Warrior fans tomorrow for the afternoon game here. Yeah, it's plain that they just, and we knew this ahead of time, but now it's crystal clear the Nuggets can't keep up with them. And to the point you just made, Denver did a lot of things really well in Game 3. They shot the ball you know, well. Their three-point shooting was pretty good, but not good enough. And J.D., to me, where it became crystal clear that Denver uh, just they had no chance in the series was when they went on their run in that third quarter, as NBA teams are going to do, especially at home in a playoff game. They made their run, and they were only able to push the lead to five. And as that was happening, I was shaking my head going, that ain't going to be enough. If this is your push and you can only push it to a five-point lead, uh, you got no chance. And, of course, they did have a lead late, and it was a fairly close game. But they just don't have the firepower right now. They're shorthanded. It's interesting in Denver. They're pointing out that Jokic now has lost, what, seven straight playoff games. Um, But he just, (laughs) you know, this team isn't good enough to keep up with the Warriors. No, they aren't without Jamal Murray and, and Michael Porter Jr. And I think with the Warriors up 3 nothing, that's been officially put to bed. Would either one of those two be able to, to come back uh, in this series? 888-957-9570. That is the phone number to participate in the program. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason with you here as I come to you from Denver. Warriors and the Nuggets tomorrow here on 95.7 The Game, 1230 for Warriors, uh, for the tip-off of that one, 11 o'clock for Warriors Live here on on 95.7 The Game. A couple of thoughts uh, on Game 3. You look at the way the Warriors handled themselves, and Whitey, you mentioned one of the boxes still left to to check was how would this team perform on the road and and what did wind up being a a pretty difficult environment. And I I thought it was interesting. They they were buttoned up at the beginning, a little bit of a a defense optional kind of a first half, I thought. But the Warriors just continued to shoot the basketball incredibly uh, and incredibly from three-point range. I thought all of the shot-making in the first half especially prevented the Warriors from from maybe being down early in that game, maybe being down around halftime. And then if the Nuggets are able to put a push on them in the third quarter, maybe it gets into the the double-digits category and the Warriors find themselves where it's more of an uphill climb in that fourth quarter as opposed to a back-and-forth game where, where the, the, the Nuggets were able to just you know give the Warriors their, their best shot. So the shot-making, I, I think, has been a, a big part of this entire series. And, Whitey, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. I was filling in for Guru, 
and the number from Kendra Andrews of, of ESPN who had uh, the percentage of, of open looks that the Warriors are getting, 43% of their field goal attempts have been uncontested. Uh, and Steph, Clay, and Jordan Poole, 61 of the Warriors' 103 uncontested shots in the series. That is a lot of wide-open shots for shot makers. Yeah, it, it gets back to what the Warriors do so well against Utah. Um, the, the biggest shot of the game, perhaps, was Wiggins' corner three. Nobody, nobody was near him because with the switches and everything, that was Jokic's responsibility. At some point, the Warriors are, you know, they can figure things out where, all right, Jokic has to guard somebody. So it's really a challenge for the Nuggets to get out on the perimeter, especially when the Warriors are shooting so well. And then, you know, that... Uh, makes everything else they do so much easier. But again, I think um, this may be an oversimplification, J.D., but I think what we're seeing a lot of that, what you just described, is the the Warriors, as skilled as they are, at forcing uh, your bigs, if you have a big guy, forcing him into really compromising uh, situations defensively. I know I've been one of those people that said, oh boy, the Warriors' lack of size could be a real issue. But in this series, again, they've been able to take advantage of the fact that Denver has to have Jokic on the floor. I mean, you look, if you're Michael Malone right now, and I've learned dealing with you not to call Mike, Michael Malone, <laughs> right. right? But yeah, but if you're Michael Malone and you're looking, what do we do? I, you know, Reggie Miller suggested, hey, maybe they should go Twin Towers in the last telecast. I knew you were at the <laughs> oh, game. Oh, no. Or, yeah, he said, oh, just for a couple minutes. And it's like, that's really a terrible idea. What else could you do? I mean, you could go small, which I think we saw in game two a little bit. You go Aaron Gordon at center. But if you're Denver and you take Jokic off the floor, you have no chance. So Michael Malone is just out of moves right now. And the Warriors, once again, doing an excellent job of compromising the other team's big man. I, I thought they tried to play slower in game three and, and it somewhat. But being at home and the energy and, and the Warriors just make it so hard to play slower. And, you know, Michael Malone had the great quote in his pregame session calling his team Ford Pintos, Whitey. He called his team and, and in comparison to the Warriors being Maseratis. And, and in essence, we cannot keep up if the game is going to be played at the Maserati speed when we are a bunch of Ford Pintos. I mean, that might be the ultimate cut. <laughs> in NBA history for a head coach to his team in a playoff series where they're in desperation mode. And uh, we know Michael Malone can, can be, I mean, he, he doesn't cut corners. He says what's on his mind in, in, in great detail. Uh, and that I think to this point was maybe the line of the series. I do think they tried to slow it down a little bit. He wanted them to do that, take their time, getting the ball to Jokic where he could operate, but the Warriors just make it difficult to to sustain that you want to they make you want to run with them and then you can't run with them and that's when they go on the runs and when the shot making is at the level that it was especially in the first half of that game uh it it just becomes a, a tidal wave that that other teams find insurmountable yeah they're really struggling obviously at both ends of the floor and I thought they became plotting at both ends of the floor and you know Jokic is very deliberate but the Warriors have done such a good job on him that they've slowed down their half-court offense to the point where it's so ineffective and here's a number that really illustrates that with Draymond guarding Jokic so far uh, Jokic when Draymond's guarding him he has six assists and seven turnovers you know and that's that's our whole thing is Jokic is scoring or he's hitting 
um, cutters or more often, you know, open three-point shooters. But with more turnovers and assists from Jokic, I mean, the Warriors just, they don't really have anything they have to worry about a lot. And I know Jokic had big numbers in the last game. And I know that Draymond after the game said, you know, he got the better of me. But overall, they've neutralized him. And then, you know, Denver is just like, all right, well, we got to pick up the slack. And they're just not capable of doing that with the bunch of Ford Pinos they have in the garage at this time. 888-957-9570. He's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson. Uh, the Xfinity mobile text line is open as well. And Whitey, uh, first text right out of the gate. This was ready to roll here at, at about 901 uh, from the 925. Breaking, Whitey thinks Poole is better than Kevin Durant. We're continuing that theme from last okay. week. Now, all kidding right. aside, I mean, Jordan Poole having one of the best starts ever to a playoff career with the the numbers that he's put up in the starting lineup that the 27 points in game three 29 points in in game two uh leading the warriors uh leading the warriors starter steph had 34 off the bench in that game and then the 30 uh to lead everybody in in game one yeah 30 29 27 hell of a start to your playoff career for jordan Poole. Let me just say this about that. Of course, last week, I never said Jordan Poole was better than Durant. Never said that. as you, And I was clear when I talked about what I was going to say about Poole. Never said that, as you know. By the way, Durant's really struggling right now. Boston doing a great job on him. He's really struggling. He's having a better playoff. Yeah, Poole's having a better playoff yeah. to this point than Durant is. We can say that. Durant. You know who I am. Yes, yes, we do. What I said uh, last Saturday was, I think Poole's a better pure playmaker and passer than Durant. And then we saw game three. It's like, hello, I don't have to say that anymore. Jordan Poole's passing in game three was spectacular. And this is not a, a knock on Durant. I do think it's interesting to point out, though, J.D., we were talking yesterday. I was in for Damon, and we talked to Nick Ferdell. And I asked Nick Ferdell, look, Nick, and, and Nick, like me, has never been a real big Poole fan until now. And it's like you look at the reality. It's like this is sensational. But I asked Nick, look. Since 2019, we know the Warriors have been looking for some way or ways to replace Durant. Has Poole right now become the guy who's replacing Durant? Not as good as Durant, never going to be as good as Durant, but he's that guy. And Nick Friedel said, you know, I never thought I'd say this, but yes. So that's my point. It's not that Poole's better than Durant. It's that the Warriors have been looking for somebody. We lost Durant. What are we going to do? Are we going to get Embiid? Are we going to get Giannis? Oh, we'll get Giannis. No, we're not getting Giannis. Should we get Bradley Beal? And Poole, the guy they had all along that they drafted uh, before that terrible 15-win year, Right now, he's going a long ways towards filling that void. Not as good as Durant, but he's playing out of his mind. He's playing right now like a superstar. Well, he, he has allowed throughout the course of this season, and he's playing out of this world right now and really out of this world for the last seven weeks or so when he's been shooting the three ball at, at a 42 43% clip uh, since he had the, the struggles. And, and remember, you know, going back right before he got hot there at, at the beginning of March – there were the games where he wasn't starting and he was maybe pouting about it a little bit and, and what's going on with Jordan Poole, difficult adjustment, maybe a little bit of tough love going on with Steve Kerr and him, you know, in essence forcing him to, to accept a bench role for a short period of time. But if you look at this season overall for Jordan Poole and what he's been able to do, he helped offset not having Clay Thompson for the first half of the season because he was in the starting lineup with Steph Curry and putting up big numbers when they needed a second score alongside Steph. And then in the time where Steph Curry went out, 
he helped them win enough games to where they could get it together and still hang on to the three seed and not dip into the four, five, six, which looked like it was on the table there because the Warriors couldn't win a freaking game against anybody, but the Warriors righted the ship. He played at an even higher level since that that game against Phoenix when the Warriors had their little turn, the loss to Phoenix on March the 30th, and Clay Thompson has come back since then in, in old Clay form. Now Steph's back, and, and as you laid out, all of these boxes are checked. Jordan Poole, though, has helped the Warriors in, in three or four different ways, and now he gives them another dynamic offensive option to help get them through a playoff series that, that other teams have to account for. Yeah, here's some, some numbers that illustrate that, J.D. Six players, only six players in NBA history have scored at least 85 points on 65% shooting or better over the first three games of a playoff series. I know that's a lot of numbers, but 85 points, at least 85 points. The names are good, though. Shooting. The names are yeah. good, though. It, the, yeah. <laughs> over the first three games of a playoff series, Kareem, James Worthy, David Robinson, Dwight Howard, Kawhi, <laughs> and Jordan Poole, the only guard to do it and the only guy to do it in his first three NBA playoffs. It was really interesting. You mentioned Jordan Poole at one point seemingly struggling with his role, and I'm sure you were at the shoot-around before Game 3. Steph was talking. Uh, we, I yep. just heard the sound yesterday. It was amazing as he talked about coming off the bench, you know, you got to do what's best for the team, and he said all those things. And someone at maybe it was you, someone asked him, are you sending a message? And he said, uh, if, I, if someone wants to take it that way, that's fine. So to me, clearly he was talking to Jordan Poole, as well as Jordan Poole's playing right now. You know, at some point he may have to be coming off the bench and look if I'm doing it you may have to do it it's all good as long as we're winning but it was fascinating that Steph had that message and it's amazing that Steph showed everyone I'll come off the bench no big deal and I think a lot of that is just trying to send that message to Jordan Poole yeah hey if I can do it and I'm a two-time MVP and a future Hall of Famer and a three-time NBA champion if I can do it and accept yes. it and have it not and have it not be a big deal and also have a couple of massive games. It took Steph the, the first game, he didn't really have it, but game two, 34 points in 23 minutes, and then off the bench in game three, Steph goes for 27 in, in just about 31 minutes. And really, you could just, you could flip-flop the two in theory, and you would figure that, that you could get similar levels of, of production. And then, of course... It's going to be those, you know, those three playing together with Wiggins and, and Draymond Green down the stretch in a lot of these games. Yeah. What did you think of the fact that we had Iguodala on the floor in the fourth quarter and it looked like maybe Steve Kerr wanted to close with Iguodala, but then he went back to Wiggins because, again, you know, if you have Draymond and Iguodala on the floor at the same time, you're a lot easier to guard. And then Wiggins came through, but I thought it was interesting that Steve Kerr appeared to be leaning that way uh, at the end, towards the end of game three. Yeah, it, it, he said after the game that, that it was the intent to get back to that lineup th th with Wiggins mm -hmm. in there and that it was just buying some time. But I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I thought, oh, okay, maybe Iguodala is going to finish it because Wiggins to that point wasn't having a great game. But I do think that's flexibility that, that Steve Kerr has uh, in, in this roster and the way things are, are constructed right now. He does have options as to who the fifth will be. And I think you could make a case, you know, if Jordan Poole's having a bad night, he hasn't had many in the last six, seven weeks, as we've alluded to, but if, if he's not having a, a great night, I think you could see a good all out there maybe for him even in, in, in some situations, not 
the way that he's playing now, that would never happen. And I think you could make the case you need the third scorer and the and the extra playmaker out there at, at all times for defenses to account for. But I, I think on nights where Wiggins doesn't have it, Iguodala finishing will be an option. I think Steve Kerr probably didn't want to go to that option First road game, first game where Wiggins really isn't playing well. I, I think, and I wonder if maybe there was a little bit of of psychology there. Stick with Iguodala a, a little bit longer, but also make sure to get Wiggins back in because you want Wiggins to have to go through tough environment on the road, first playoff game with this group, and you know, can he work his way through it? And I think the way it turned out, it, it was perfect for Steve Kerr because Wiggins did not play well. And you know, I was going back and forth with Steiny as we often text during games. And, and he said, man, Wiggins uh, you know, not playing well. And I said, well, if they, they better win this game. Otherwise he's, it's going to be that classic, you know, look who played well, look who didn't. Wiggins is yeah. going to get the blame if they lose this game. And then he makes the three that puts him up. 112 to 111 and then the hustle play on the offensive rebound that led to the Jordan Poole layup where he he beat three nuggets to the punch to to grab that loose ball two winning time plays from Wiggins on a night where he really struggled overall it gets him off the hook and I also think it gives him the confidence that that he can continue to make an impact even if he's not scoring on, on some of these nights or having a bad game can still be a winning player even if you're having a bad game and clearly, J.D., the Warriors and Steph Curry, keenly aware of that dynamic, keenly aware of how important it is, how vitally important it is to the success of this team to keep Wiggins' confidence high. Because when the game ended and Steph had been off the floor for the final defensive possession, what does he do? He runs out on the floor and goes to Wiggins. You made the shot of the game. Like you said, Wiggins didn't have a great game, but he did make that big shot that gave him the lead. And Steph runs out to tell him that. You know, Steph had 27 Clay at 26, Poole at 27, but Steph runs out to tell Wiggins, you made the shot of the game. A lot of truth to that. I just thought that, that again, is a guy who's keenly aware of the dynamics of his team. That same day that he'd sent that message to Poole, he's out there right as the game ends, Wiggins telling Wiggins, that was the shot of the game. So, yeah, the Warriors are aware of how fragile uh, Wiggins can be. Overall, you know, he didn't have a great game, but he made some big plays and he contributed on the road. So I think they all got to be very happy with that. There, there was a, a point, uh, in, this was after shoot-around on, on Thursday before Game 3, and, and we were everybody was walking the media and, and some of the players were walking to the buses, everybody exiting Ball Arena at the same place near the, the loading dock area, and the buses are waiting, and, and they were waiting to let some of the players onto the bus. And so Andrew Wiggins, just in a beautiful, sun-shining, 75-degree, crystal-clear day in, in Denver, he just grabbed this folding chair that was just kind of sitting around and, and just parked himself right right in front of the bus about 10 feet away as they were giving the okay for, for players to get on and just was soaking in the sunlight, relaxed, <laughs> like almost kicking his feet up. And I, I, I just thought, man, this is – like he really – Sometimes his personality and the laid-back nature it works to his detriment, I think, in the way that the fans perceive him. But but he is just a, a calm, relaxed you – know, that, that felt like the epitome of – of playoff Wiggins you know, as, as he tries to work his way into you know, really changing the narrative, I think, surrounding his career. Yeah, I go back to what Iguodala said late in the regular season. And I know you and I have talked about this on the show. Iguodala said, look, with all the injuries we have right now, we're going to have to ramp things up in the playoffs. 
Uh, and someone asked Steve Kerr, isn't that kind of risky? And Steve Kerr said, it's not risky because we don't have a choice. You know, we have to have Steph coming back from the injury. And we mentioned earlier, Draymond, a lot of moving parts. And so far, it's working. So, again, as I said earlier, uh, I think we can all see Denver's like an ideal first-round opponent for the Warriors. Hopefully, they take care of the sweep and move on. It's going to get so much more difficult in the next round. And I'm not saying they can't win, but, you know, assuming they play Memphis, and I'm I'm assuming that, we'll see. Uh, Memphis is just – they're so much tougher just physically – and they just have so many more ways to beat. It's going to be such a tougher series. If they play Minnesota, I think they'll cruise. I don't think they'll play Minnesota. But this is a great warm-up in the playoffs. And you just, you know, they've earned this by finishing third. But it's really rare for a team, right, to just have this opportunity in the first round of the playoffs to just, all right, this is almost like an exhibition for us. Take enough away from the Nuggets. They just can't keep up with the Warriors. And it's an ideal situation for the Warriors right now as they get ready for whoever's in the next round. And then beyond that, it's as you know, J.D., it's probably going to get a lot tougher in the next round and beyond. Yeah, it is. And and look, the, the way things worked out, and there was a lot of chatter about Denver or Utah, who do you want to play? I, I was pretty adamant it didn't matter. I think when you look at the way the Utah series is going without Luka Doncic playing and, and the Jazz down – 2-1 and and seemingly just coming apart at the seams. I think the Warriors probably would have would have put it on yeah. Utah uh, in a, in a similar way that, than that they've put it on the, the Nuggets, but but Denver just doesn't they don't have the athletes. They have Jokic who has to be out there. He's an MVP, he's terrific. He but the Warriors can mitigate him and and this goes to the conversation we had all year long about the fear of bigs. And it's and, and the Warriors' ability by playing smaller to, to render them uh, less effective. And so they've been able to do that in this series. But then you just look, I mean, Aaron Gordon's been terrible. He had a better game in Game 3, but he's been terrible. They've gotten nothing from Jeff Green in this series. Uh, nothing really off the bench from anybody, uh, really, in this series. Uh, Bones Highland made a couple of plays in the and, and hit a couple of shots in, in the game the other night. But... You know, every game for him has been in that two for you know who's actually played well is Demarcus Cousins. He's hurt mm-hmm. in the non Jokic minutes, uh, but you know then he's getting into it with teammates and getting kicked out in blowouts. So you're getting the full the full Boogie Cousins <laughs> experience there. Uh, but you know a backup center coming up with six points when when the game is is otherwise in hand hasn't been that big of a deal. And so yeah, you you look at it and. It was the perfect opponent, really, for, for the Warriors to check those boxes that needed to be checked. The headline number one coming in for the Warriors, could they work Steph back in, keep Poole rolling, have Clay stay hot, Draymond look like Draymond, and win playoff games, and win a playoff series? And, and we've seen through three games, I mean, it's just been, I think, almost perfection in, in the way that, that that's played out. 888-957-9570. He's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson coming to you live from Denver. Uh, When does Steph Curry go back into the starting lineup? Uh, And should the Warriors now be considered NBA title favorites? Vegas thinks so. We'll get into that coming up next. Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We're trying to play fast like men. We, we can't match that. We're trying to, you know, we're in a, a pinto and they're in Maserati. We have to slow it down, especially when things might go the way. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. There you go. We're in a Pinto, and they're in a Maserati. Michael Malone, before Game 3, talking about how the Nuggets can try and hang in this series. John Dickinson in Denver. Whitey Gleason here as well. Uh, 888-957-9570. The always honest Michael Malone, Whitey. Yeah, well said, and I think um, you know that was that was <laughs> that was a case in point there in that third game where Denver, as we said, and if you watch the game, you know Denver comes out and they shoot fifty percent and they make eleven out of twenty six threes and they have the lead with three twenty to go, and it's like nope, that that ain't you just you just don't have it. The Pinto can't compete with the Maserati. It's interesting a number of times seeing him in that game three, seeing uh, Michael Malone on the bench with his head down as if he was just processing the fact that. It really doesn't matter what we do. We just can't just can't play uh, with these guys. In some ways, I know we don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the Nuggets, J.D. In some ways, they remind me of last year's Warrior team, where the Warriors last year, you know, when's Clay coming back? They were without Clay, and, and they're kind of shorthanded. And this Denver team without Porter and uh, without Murray, it, it's to their credit that they got as far as they, they got, I think. Coach Malone has to be pleased that they played together after the blow up in game two that they had. Uh, they play hard, but it's just the reality. It's like you ain't you ain't gonna beat this Warrior team right now. You got you got none chance. They're the Denver Nuggets because they're done. Yeah, a couple of more thoughts from from game three. Uh, Warriors took the Nuggets' best shot. I mean that that was what it was. Whether it was the the yeah. first half where they were shooting the ball so well, and then the third quarter where it did feel like Denver had one more run in them. But even before the half, the Nuggets had cut it down to, what, a two-point game, and then uh, the Warriors were able to score, the what, the final six? I guess it was a four-point game. The Warriors scored the final six to push the lead at that point back up to 10 at halftime, and it really felt that that was a big sequence in the game where if it had been close and then the Nuggets were able to come out and have that third quarter, maybe they get a lead of, of beyond five, and it becomes a little bit more difficult down the stretch. But... The Warriors making the plays, Nuggets shooting themselves in the foot a little bit at the end of the, of the half there, and the Warriors were able to get a little bit of a cushion to where they could withstand the, the big run by the Nuggets in that third quarter. How, how about the impact of Gary Payton the second? And you talk about mm. big shots. 
the three three-pointers in the first half that he made, I mean, that was the difference in the game. A 10-point lead, he had nine on three of three from deep. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It was almost as if uh, in that game, every time Denver got close, it's like when you're playing in your driveway with your bigger brother, you know, and he'll like give you a chance to make it close and you start to think, hey, and then it's like, okay, and he makes a few shots. And it's almost like the Warriors were, okay, we got this game. Oh, it's close now? All right. And then boom, boom, boom. Uh, Gary Payton, of course, so, so impactful at the defensive end when he's knocking down threes and he's not missing shots. Man, uh, for a guy who no other team wanted to be making this kind of impact in the playoffs, it is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in the NBA, J.D. It really is, and Otto Porter, I think, has made an impact in this series. He was a plus 16 in the game on for, uh, on Thursday night, and, and you just look at – he just has a knack for being in the right place at the right time, getting a big rebound. He's able to get some buckets on the interior that – that I think you don't necessarily account for <laughs> when, when you you think of him as just a, a spot-up shooter from three, but he has been able to score a little bit in the paint from time to time and just has a, a stabilizing force, I think, with this team. And I know there's been a lot of questions about Jonathan Kaminga and, and should you know he be playing more. We, we can get into that coming up, but uh, you know, this rotation that Steve Kerr has deployed – it, it's really worked to perfection as far as Porter and Peyton and Iguodala if he's healthy and you know, Jordan Poole uh, staying in the starting lineup. You know Wiggins and Draymond are going to be out there. A little bit of Kevon Looney at the start, but not too much. And it's, it's the veterans and really the same veterans that were playing at the beginning of the year when the Warriors were 18-2, and two, minus Clay Thompson, obviously, who hadn't come back yet. This is the group that was playing – the bulk of the minutes when the Warriors were at their best this season. There were injuries and, and opportunities for younger players to get some time to develop. The Warriors took that opportunity, but when it came down to, all right, let's recalibrate this thing and it's go time for the playoffs, I go back to that March 30th game. That's when Steve Kerr cut the rotation down, and that's when it's basically been this group that's played together only and played together effectively. Yeah, and last week we were trying to guess who the postseason uh, X-Factors would be, or at least in the series. And remember, J.D., I'm sure you remember, uh, you were thinking of uh, Bielitsa. You're like, I'm not going to say Bielitsa. You were considering it, and he actually has been a surprise. He's playing 14 and a half minutes uh, a game in the series, playing more minutes than Looney. Just about everybody's playing more minutes than Looney. Almost as many minutes per game than Iguodala. It's very close. And he actually he's averaging just under seven a game, and especially in the first game. I think I texted you, he's like, Wow, Bielita, he is something of a an X-Factor. He's not going to play enough to be a true X-Factor, but he's been surprisingly good in this series so far. He has been, and I think, look, he, DeMarcus Cousins has taken it to him a little bit on, on yes. one end yes. when they've been matched up, but but he's taken it to Cousins on the other end. A couple pump fakes for, for layups. He gets a step on him. No interior presence for, for Denver to stop Bielitsa. He's been able to get some layups. He's also beat Cousins on some back cuts where he'll make a pass and, and Cousins will, will just fall asleep guarding him out on the perimeter, and, and he's been able to, to knock down a couple of buckets that way. So uh, he, he has been a, a plus player in this series. How much does he play against Memphis if the Warriors do wind up playing Memphis? I know that series is still 2-1 now in, in favor of the Grizzlies after their big comeback on, on Thursday mm -hmm. night. That remains to be seen, but I, I think all in all, 
Steve Kerr trimming the rotation to 10 and even nine when Iguodala was unavailable for game two, uh, that's been that, that's been key, I think, to the to the Warriors' success. 888-957-9570, John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason, how you feeling about this Warriors team up 3-0? A couple of text messages to get to here, Whitey. Uh, I want to get into the Steph Curry thing, though, because Curry off the bench these last two games, one of the big headlines going into game three from shoot-around on Thursday morning Steph Curry's minutes to be elevated. And you referenced the quote about him coming off the bench and potentially setting a tone for, for others, Jordan Poole, potentially as far as, hey, it's okay to come off the bench. 34 for Steph off the bench in game two. You look at game three, 27 off the bench. He was able to play 31 minutes and, and ramp it up to that point. Uh, where are you at on getting him back into the starting lineup now with the Warriors up 3 nothing in this series. Uh, that's been a big topic, just surrounding thing. To me, you're keeping it as is. Everything's clicked to this point in this series. I would be inclined to just roll it out there one more game. Maybe if you lose tomorrow and you have to play a game five, you change it then. Otherwise, if you're able to get another win with Steph coming off the bench, then you've got a week minimum to gear up for the next opponent. And I think at that point, essentially you're putting in a new game plan, which would have Poole coming off the bench initially. I agree with you. I mean, it's the old, you know, cliche. If it ain't broke, don't uh, don't fix it. So right now there's just no reason. As long as Steph is being honest and he honestly feels the way he says he feels like, yeah, it's working, so we're good. There's just no reason to change it. I even wonder, it does get dicey to me when you think about, okay, at some point, because it's been working so well at some point, I would strongly consider staying with it against Memphis until somebody forces you out of it. It's just been working so, so extremely well. And maybe some of it's cosmetic, you know, as far as who starts when you still have your whatever you want to call them, uh, your, your your closing lineup now, but it could potentially be an issue for for pools. So um, and there's just something you know pretty awesome about having Steph Curry coming off the bench with other teams. You know, you know it's in the back of their minds like, all right, we're starting here. He ain't even in yet. So it's a great point you raise, and obviously the game plan, assuming it's Memphis, and I am assuming that is going to change. But at this point, I don't feel any rush to change it. Until and unless something happens where I look at it and go, okay, got to make some adjustments now, that would be the first one I'd make, but not until I was forced to. And so would you, would you roll, let's say you win tomorrow and you're playing Memphis in the second round beginning. So you win tomorrow, you play Memphis, let's say a week from tomorrow on, on Sunday, May the 1st, game one of that series, Grizzlies close out the Timberwolves in, in five or six. Game one would be, on on Sunday in all likelihood a week from tomorrow in in Memphis so if you, if you win and you sweep tomorrow and everything continues as is w- w- would you keep Steph coming off the bench even at the beginning of that series um I am leaning that way just because it'd be working then of course you know you'd like Looney in the starting lineup against Memphis because of their size but all I'm saying is and I know everything changes and I know at some point Steph's going to have to start but to me right now it's just worked so well I don't want to do that until I'm forced to I don't want to make that adjustment until I and it will happen at some point I don't want to make that adjustment though until the other team forces me to do something that's my next move but I'm not going to make that until I feel like "Mm, this isn't clicking I'm I'm going to have to. 
888-957-9570, the Xfinity Mobile text line, the 908 chiming in. Keep the lineup as is until they lose a game. If it ain't broke, don't fix it as mm-hmm. long as Steph is okay with it. So echoing echoing your sentiments there, Whitey, we appreciate the text. Keep it the same until you lose. I'm more inclined to keep it the same until you lose in this series. If you, if you get beat uh, tomorrow and the Nuggets are able to force a game five back in the Bay on Wednesday, I think that would be a natural opportunity uh, with two days off in between game four and game five to, to make the switch there. I think what the Warriors are hoping is that they can get tomorrow. I think Steph's going to come off the bench again. I, I think the Warriors are, are are thinking it exactly the way the texter and exactly the way we are, Whitey, with, hey, this is working for this series. This was how we had it planned out. Let's just finish them off. And then almost like a – Almost like a football game plan in a sense where, all right, you play on Sunday and your next game is probably the next Sunday. You've got a week to prepare, new opponent. And I think at that point they would look to to change it and put Curry back into the starting lineup, let Poole get a a week of practice with his new role and, and the different groups of players that he's going to play with coming off the bench. I agree with you on the Looney component of wanting him out there at the beginning. And I think the other part of it too, because... Some people are probably driving around listening to us and thinking, well, wait a minute, why can't you just start the three-guard lineup against Memphis? I think you want to keep that in your back pocket if you're the Warriors. I think you want to start with Looney and then know at some point if you feel in the middle of the series you're a little bit vulnerable or you want to change a pace, you keep that card in your back pocket, you pull it out when you need it, as we've seen the Warriors do in the past – and you ramp up the series and, and give give the Grizzlies or, or whoever, if it winds up being Minnesota, a, a different look that, that may be difficult for them to overcome. I, I agree with you. I just think it's more effective if it's something that you are able to spot when you feel like you need it. By the way, their, their first um, stint, first five minutes, whatever it was, with that lineup against Denver in Game 3, they really didn't do much. And I know overall they did well. But the first uh, stint on the floor for that five they didn't do a great job. Um, but, you know, that's going to happen. Overall, I agree with you completely. And I don't know, if, you know, who's starting, Steph, Poole. Some of that is cosmetic. But what I'm really concerned about, not to dodge the issue, but what I'm really concerned about in the next round, if it's Memphis, is the physicality that Jordan Poole's going to face. And I know he's faced that before because, look, that's if you're scouting the Warriors and you're wondering how are we going to beat them, that's one of the first things you say, right, especially with a smaller backcourt of Steph and Jordan Poole. Well, we got to be physical with them. And that's how Memphis plays anyway. So that is really neither here nor there as far as who starts. But that's what I'm really going to be keeping an eye on. How is Jordan Poole able to handle that? They have been calling a few more fouls across the playoffs, although I think they've – you know, I think they've let a lot go in this series, which is great. But that's, to me, the bigger issue even than who's starting is how is Jordan Poole going to be able to handle the really physical defense he's most likely to face in the next round against the Grizzlies? Well, let's get to Joe in San Francisco on 95.7 The Game. 888-957-9570. Phone line's open. What's going on, Joe? Good morning, guys. Yeah, uh, Poole's definitely going to get the uh, – Kevin McHale experience in the modern sense, and as this playoff goes on, uh, this physicality as a test. Um, but I wanted to talk about, um, yeah, I like Steph coming off the bench sim- simply for one thing. I, it's only been three games, not enough data information to see if this is really causing it. But it seems Jordan and Clay, especially, are engaged. 
right away. Clay's been hitting threes right off the bat. And you know that when he gets engaged, that's a good sign and he can be super streaky. So I kind of like that, you know, whether it's going to, you know, whether that's the reason why Jordan and Clay are engaged, you know, having a heavy offense right away, not rely on Steph, who knows. I just want to add one comment about Wiggins that's been said a lot about, you know, that when he went and got the rebound and stuff like that. We all know that Kevin, I mean, that Wiggins is, you know, uh, like Churchill said, uh, an enigma wrapped in a mystery, tied up in a, in a question mark. We don't know it. But that play at least showed me he is engaged, even when he doesn't look like he's engaged. You know, guys right. like Oubre or, or Bazemore, you know, you don't know. They, they do stupid stuff in the, the craziest times, you know, taking a foul 80 feet away. But that play showed me even when he doesn't look like he's doing anything, he's still engaged, and that is so important. I'll take that any time over a guy like Ubre or Dreadful Baysmore or these vets who sulk and pout and check out of the game when it goes bad for him. Yeah, appreciate the call, Joe. I think I think that's a great point. Uh, 888-957-9570, great point. Uh, sometimes, Whitey, and we've talked a lot about this, Wiggins, he gets a little bit of a bad rap just because of his demeanor, and, and that's that's not fair. Right, and that's a great um... – a great usage of the Churchill quote by Joe. Appreciate that, Joe. Uh, I think he's the, that's the first Churchill reference on the show all season long, so we appreciate that. Uh, you know what I was thinking about, Wiggins, when I watched Minnesota's collapse, and I watched that a couple times, as you probably did, J.D., because I'd missed some of it. Anyway, um, that was a type of loss for Minnesota that if Wiggins were there, he would have worn it. In other words, people would have said, oh, it's Wiggins. Right, because he just you know, and it's not just him there. They're, they have bigger problems there in Minnesota than Andrew Wiggins. So it's interesting to see Minnesota play that way, even without Wiggins. So he dragged some of that reputation here unfairly. To me, the whole thing with Wiggins is if he's not playing well and not shooting well, he he's doesn't want to shoot a lot. And I think sometimes that's uh, misconstrued as well. He doesn't care, and it, you know, sometimes like no, he just doesn't have that confidence in his shot. That's the whole thing with him is the confidence. I don't think he disappears or is disinterested I just think when his confidence is down he just he's not as impactful because he feels like well we're better off if I you know if I'm not impactful here so I don't think the whole thing about Wiggins not caring I don't think that's accurate at all and I think Joe's right we saw just how much he cared and more importantly how he's able to have a not a great game but still finish impactfully and well for you for the Warriors in the last game well he's also been their leading rebounder in Every yeah. game of the series, yeah. only six, mm-hmm. only six at the one offensive rebound that, that was huge in game three. But he had eight in game two and nine in game one. And the Warriors collectively have rebounded well. But he's been at the top of, of the, the rebounding uh, category in, in each of these first three games. Let's get Jerry in Oakland on the phone lines. Eight at eight, nine, five, seven, nine, five, seven, zero. What's going on, Jerry? Thanks for joining us. Uh, hey guys, love the show uh, Saturday mornings. Um, with, with regards to Steph, while he's on a minutes restriction, it's almost counterproductive if you start him because his minutes are herky jerky, and uh, you know you get cold as a player. So by by not having him start, it's actually an advantage. Uh, and you know we're going to have to have one of those three guards come off the bench for firepower. And why not Steph? You know, whatever. It's working. 
Um, the other thing was Kaminga, you know, potentially in the next uh, the next series and possibly the one after, there's much more athletic big guys. And I'm just worried of sitting Kaminga, letting him get a little cold. I mean, uh, we're going to need that kid. I mean, he's a strong wing. I mean, we have wings, but not strong. And even though his rebounding's down, we're going to need him um, at some point. So what do you guys think? Uh, thanks. I, I agree with that. And Steve Kerr, Whitey, has said as much that he will at some point get an opportunity. He's just in that category right now where he's the next. If you're only going to play 10 and, and Steve Kerr playing 10, a lot of teams don't play 10. But if you're only going to play 10, he's not in the top 10 right now. So I think for, for at least this first round series, it, it made sense, and, and Steve Kerr was, was kind of telegraphing it, I think, over the last couple of weeks of the season where Kaminga was really only playing extended minutes in the second of the back-to-backs when the Warriors were, were resting other players. He was getting a lot of run in those games toward, toward the end of the year, but not in the games where he was playing the regular rotation almost as a, as a dress rehearsal for the playoffs. But he's been very... Very open, Steve Kerr. I'm talking about in in saying, at some point he's just going to get tapped and be in the game, and then it's going to be up to him as to how well he plays, how long he'll he'll get out there. Yeah, first of all, uh, Jerry made a great point on Steph and the minutes restriction. That, of course, is um, the underlying really practical reason to bring a Steph off the bench. But as you said a few moments ago, as the minutes restriction is eased, that becomes less of a factor. But it is a very important factor in the whole situation here with Steph coming off the bench. Kuminga, I, I still view it the way you and I, I think we agreed on this last week, J.D. I still think Kuminga right now, and this certainly could come into play against Memphis, I think if you're in a situation where the offense is really bogged down and you need to get some energy, excuse me, <clears throat> energy in the offense and you want to get out in transition, I think he's a guy that you'll see Steve Kerr insert and give that a shot. I don't think he's going to, you know, if, he's, if it's not working, I don't think he's going to stay with him for, you know, eight minutes at a time or anything. But I still think that's kind of what the thinking is on Kuminga right now. In a tight game where maybe the offense just can't get out and can't get into transition, which gets everything else going, I think Kuminga is a guy they see as somebody who can help you uh, get into that up-and-down game when you need it. Yeah, he would project, if you just look at some of the matchups in terms of just body type and style of play, he would project to to maybe play more against Memphis and and even Phoenix if it winds up being the Suns. Mm -hmm. In, in the conference finals, but still a long way to go there. And, and yeah, as far as the minutes restriction with Curry, it did make a lot of sense to bring him off the bench, which, which is why we talked about it last Saturday when he was only going to play 20 to 25 minutes. Now he's at 30, and I think with a couple of days in between game three and game four, it's going to go up maybe to 33, and then I think to 36, back to, to full go by the the first round of or the first game of the next series, or even a fifth game if the Nuggets somehow win tomorrow and, and force that fifth game. So he could play 35 off the bench. He could play 35 in the starting lineup. But I think that the minutes restriction being bumped up a little bit changes the the calculus there. Let, let's get dirty next here on 95.7 The game. What's going on, Dirty? Hey, what up, guys? Good morning. Um, happy Saturday. Um, so, to touch on Kaminga real quick, because you guys brought that up, um, the energy and the effort and the uh, athleticism is there, but the IQ ain't there for the playoffs. Um, I might, you know, we might see a glimpse of him, but I really don't think that Kerr is going to go to him in, in, a, in a situation where we 
might need a spark. Uh, I'm just that's just my opinion because I I am the guy who calls in and says this is going to be our Giannis in about two or three seasons after he bulks up and gets his handles right. But um, what I wanted to say, the point I wanted to make was, I mean, guys, here's a question, but a point also. How beautiful and how lucky and how grateful should we be to be getting a, a team's best punch in the first quarter on the road and be able to bring Steph Curry off the bench? I mean, let, let's just, I mean, come on. Let's just process that real quick. Now, with that being said, um, this whole thing about maybe uh, catching another punch and, and having to bring another guy in or this and that, I think our IQ is on another level. These, these words have a different... Oh, we lost Dirty. Um, Oh, we lost Dirty there. Yeah, we lost Dirty. Dirty disconnection. Yeah, we suffered the the Dirty disconnection. Yeah. Dirty disconnection there. Yeah, and the 415 put it this way, Whitey, and it's right in line with what Dirty had to say. Uh, It's demoralizing when the other – to the other team when Steph comes off the bench. You're hanging, and then, oh, 30's coming in. When, yeah. when the game's oh it's tied we're hanging we're making shots we're feeling good hanging with this team for the first time in the series oh Steph Curry's coming off the bench what like it, it's it is demoralizing for sure yeah Dirty made a great point about Kaminga I don't know what his role will be and it is possible that they look at this and just say he not ready uh to that point and I know just because guys are rookies doesn't mean they're as experienced as each other they the same age but look at Memphis excuse me New Orleans playing three rookies, and I mean, playing them in big minutes. Uh, of course, as a 10 seed, the bar a little lower for them, but uh, TM3 and Alvarado, and I really like Jones. It's been amazing to watch them. I'm not saying that has anything new to the Warriors. I'm not saying they need to play Kaminga because New Orleans is playing their rookies, but I just think about that when we hear you know Steve Kerr and the coaching staff talk about the playoffs and how they're different. Then you see New Orleans getting so much out of these three rookies. I don't think they're going to get very far in the series, but it bodes well for their future. 888-957-9570. More phone calls coming up. Let's get Roger in here in Fremont before the end of hour number one. What's going on, Roger? Hi, guys. I'm thinking uh, it might be a good idea to put uh, Jordan Poole back on the bench, bring some firepower in. After all, somebody mentioned McHale earlier. I believe McHale started as a sixth man, and so did John Havlicek, and they both made the Hall of Fame. So uh, it may not be such a bad idea to get the pool, get Curry back in the starting lineup to stabilize things against Memphis and then have pool coming off the bench. Yeah. Thanks for the call. I think that's where it's headed. Whitey, as far as the next series goes. And and I think as far as future years go too, I I think the Warriors in all likelihood are going to pay Jordan pool large cash and he's going to be a super sixth man projected into next year that's going to get opportunities to start when Clay Thompson is is out. He's going to get opportunities to start if there's an issue with Steph Curry having to miss some games here and there. And so he and I think he'll be in a closing lineup with with those two and maybe Wiggins and Draymond in the future. So I think the Warriors have have options as far as Jordan Poole goes for the future. Yeah, clearly that's the plan. It's just a matter of based on what everyone has said and what we've seen. Um, it's a matter of whether Jordan Poole can be fully on board with it and can be productive because uh, to to Roger's point and that's a great point about Mikhail and Havlicek. But if Poole, for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, just I don't like this or he has uh, struggles uh, getting into the flow, 
you know, it's one thing to bring a guy off the bench, bring you firepower, but if he's struggling with the role and you get the opposite of that, then all of a sudden you've got a problem. So that's why they're being so um, meticulous and so deliberate with this whole process. I agree with you, J.D., it's pretty clear. That is the plan. They just don't want to rush it when it's working as well as it is right now. All right, 888-957-9570, hour number one in the books. Hour number two, Warriors this week straight ahead, J.D. and Whitey, 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.